story. Welcome back to another episode of Pilot Boys. My name is Caesar, And I'm Karen. Today we're doing the new Amazon show, Barry Jenkins' Underground, Underground Railroad. Railroad. The adaptation of the Colson Whitehead novel, the Pulitzer Prize winning novel, mm, mm. the Pulitzer, mm. as some in some circles might say. <laughs> in the publishing world. So let's just start off generally. What did you, how are you feeling? What did you think? It is, I think, it is a hard show to watch, mm. but it's gorgeous, and it's beautiful, and you should watch it. It's a journey. It definitely is a journey. Right. And it's very intentional. What What makes it so hard to watch? I Because it's so, it's intense. It's it's so intense, and that's what makes it really hard. At least for me, it's hard to watch shows that are so intense. Like, you need a break. Mm-hmm. You need a break in between sometimes. Like, you can't... It's not bingeable. Mm. And... Or it is, but I definitely can't binge it. Because I, I think I need... Yeah, it's too heavy. I think I need a little bit of break in between. Mm. But I also think that it's important, and it's necessary. And it's important that it was made. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I... I I guess I understand the apprehension because of the subject matter, you know, to like, mm-hmm. like go all in with the show, like go all in for the show, maybe because it deals with slavery in some capacity. I don't think that it's fair to say that this is a show about slavery. Mm-hmm. So I should start by saying that we're going to do the entire season. Which is also like a point of interest because Amazon dropped the entire season mm-hmm. or, you know, the entire series, I guess, because it's a miniseries. Uh, and I think that was against Barry's, Barry Jenkins's, our, our friend, Barry Jenkins's uh, like, wishes, yeah, intention. I, I think he wanted it to premiere like weekly. Yeah. And which, that would have made sense. Yeah. Because it, it does give you like breathing room in between the episodes. But... As it stands, it came out, and we watched the whole thing. Well, So, we recorded the first episode. We recorded an episode of Pilot Boys on the first episode. But then we watched the second, and I was like, I think we should do the whole. Yeah. It's just... It's it's so much more than the first episode. <clears throat> yeah. So, I agree. I think that, to, to some extent, I really liked it, and I had a... Like, it was, it's kind of a, it's about a journey. It's literally about an escape, if you, if you want to take it out of the context. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's also interesting, because, so this is the second show, I think at this scale, this is the biggest show, uh, to tackle, like, the Underground Railroad. There's another show by Misha Green called Underground. I think that was, like, a limited series as well, mm-hmm. with uh, Journey Smollier. I think it was, is that her name? <laughs> Journey. I don't know if you pronounce it like that. Journey. No, it's Journey. Smollett. 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 Anyway. And I think that one deals with similar, but this one seems, you know, like, it's, first of all, it's it's historical fiction. There's a lot of symbols. There's a lot of, like, stuff that potentially didn't happen, which I think gives the show 
some like leg room because it's not just about like correctly depicting the period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the the first thing that stands out when you watch it is the Underground Railroad as a train. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? I think it was a good a good way. Like it, the way that that is used as like a literal train. Mm-hmm. Um, reminds me of kind of like what Yasuke did, mm. in that like, like it made up for the gaps. It, yeah, it made up for the gaps in like. But we should say that there is like records of what the actual railroad looked like. Like, in Yasuke's case, it was, like, making up for the history you don't have. Yeah, but I think it, like, it serves the same, a similar purpose, where, you know, you, it like to imagine that it was actually, like, an underground railroad, where, like, this is, like, this infrastructure was built in. Mm-hmm. It almost, like, makes it, like, magical. Right. And, like, if you think about, like, what the underground railroad actually was, like, no, it wasn't a literal train. Yeah. But... It, it it served the purpose of, like... It was a vehicle. Yeah, it was a vehicle. For escape. Yeah. Like like a literal, like, uh, you know, not a literal, but like a figurative channel of escape. Yeah. And I, I just think that it was, I, you know, it, remind, it, it reminds me in, in, in the way that Yosuke yeah. used, like, fiction, like the medium of fiction, of, like, just kind of creating a world. Yeah. Um, and, like, artistic license. Which is funny also, because, like... Boarding the train as the audience, you know that you're kind of leaving, you know, what is, like, reality in some Mm -hmm. sense. Like, the historical reality of, like, the Underground Railroad wasn't an actual railroad. But I think it's supposed to signify, or I'll just, I'll give my interpretation. I think it's supposed to signify, and I think this is something that Barry Jenkins talked about in a couple of the interviews we heard prior to this. Um, It's supposed to be that, like... This, like, intricate network is supposed to be, like, a symbol for, like, the way that black people have built America. You know, it's, like, this infrastructure that's basically, like, a symbol for America. Like, the blueprint of America was built on the backs of black people, of slavery. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, like, this Mm -hmm. real thing that existed. And, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's kind of, like, poetic. It is kind of... It is, like, this idea of, like, when you first hear it, like, the the words itself kind of carry other meaning. So, mm-hmm. like, you assume that it is this thing, but uh, I think it works. I think it really works for the show. Yeah. Like, as a kid, you hear, the first time you hear, like, something called the Underground Railroad, you instantly think of, like, an actual railroad and a train. Right. Um, and then, but, like, later you find out, like, no, it's mostly just people finding ways to hide out and escape slavery. Yeah. Cuz like the real Mostly one in basements. <laughs> was like yeah, living in basements or like supplies. Mhm. Like uh blankets and food or stuff like that. Yeah. Um maps. Yeah. Maps in like different kinds of ways. So so the first episode is interesting because it is completely the first and the last episode specifically. They're completely different from the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like the first episode was exists as a way to like bring the audience into the world mm-hmm. because that's the common understanding of like the black experience living in this time, mm-hmm. um, which is like, you know, of course there was slavery, but what about all the other parts of America that we 
don't really get to know about. Like, yeah. I ha- I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with them now because, you know, that was like the thing I studied in school. But it is kind of fast. It is like captivating to see it portrayed in such a different way. So, like, all right, what is life after you escape from mm-hmm. captivity or mm-hmm. like from enslavement? What does that look like? And I think the show really tackles that. So in some ways, I feel like the first episode is like the opening salvo for the world to like, you know, familiarize people with the period, with something that you might understand. And the rest of it is just really exploring like these like deep roots, these these history, these histories that are like not covered when it pertains to, you know, like other parts of America and the way that they conceptualized or understood or even like the way they acted to black people mm-hmm. so yeah what, what do you think of that yeah i i agree i think like growing up when you're taught of this period it's like so this crazy thing called slavery happened and then but sometimes people ran away and they lived like they lived happily ever after kind of like they were able to get away from slavery up the north in this like magical place called the North and they didn't have to be slaves anymore. You know, right? you don't, you don't really learn about like, well, what was life as a runaway slave? Also? Yeah. Like history, broad strokes of history Mm -hmm. don't ever really fill in the gaps of like just everyday life of what it was like. You know, it's like we understand history as destinations and like as this happened and then this happened and this led to this. But, like, the nitty-gritty history, like, even just something that's very, uh, intru- or, like, very tied to, like, the back of- the black identity is, like, oral histories. Mm-hmm. Or, like, even the importance of writing your own history. Mm-hmm. And I think all these, like, little, like, intricacies of what it was like to live in this period as a black person. As someone who was in captivity and now is no longer in captivity. What does that mean? And, like... How does that, how does that even manifest within like the black community, you know? And yeah, I mean, in some ways, like I think even though the show is historical fiction, I think it's making up for the gaps in our in our history, education in our yeah, the American education. At this point, there's like an acknowledgement, even when we were in school. I think there's an acknowledgement that slavery was a thing and it was bad, but there's not much of a focus on it. Yeah, because it's like the dark underbelly. Yeah, and, like, how insidious it was. Like, even if there existed abolitionists, you know, like, white abolitionists or, like, people that didn't believe in slavery, there also existed just people that didn't mind thinking of people as slaves. They just happened to not exist in that system. I mean, think about it now. Like, think of it how easy it is to, like, not care about things because they're not in front of you. Yeah, they don't apply to you. Right. And that is what is always missing. That's like that gap in education we're always missing. We always like to think like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, slavery was bad. You know, if you're a non-black person, you're like, oh, yeah, slavery times. Like, you know, I wouldn't own any slaves like because that's bad. But like that's that didn't exist back then. Like the idea that this was like morally wrong. Yeah. Was it so embedded in society? Like. This was a machine. Like, slavery was a machine. Yeah. And in it, there were a lot of cogs working constantly. It wasn't just about, like, the slaves themselves. It's, like, the the people that upheld these systems. Right. But, okay. T- maybe tell me some of the things that, I-, I guess, were 
that impacted you while watching it? Like maybe something that you didn't even think about because, you know, the way history is told or like the way you understood this period, like some things that stood out to you in terms of like what it was able to accomplish and just like simply like humanizing like some of these, you know, people who went through such a brutal time and it wasn't like it was fucking peachy after, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I think also, like, this, we were talking, I guess, about, like, the Underground Railroad in general and how, like, we didn't really, it was either, like, if you're a runaway slave, you get to the north or you get caught, right? Right. And then, like, that's kind of it. There's no really, like, in-betweens of, like, well, what actually happened? Like, what was the journey? And every journey is different. And this, this show is highlighting how people take different journeys as they're running away from slavery or right. like as they're running away to like just be and live their lives. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of like, I don't like even like our parents, like immigration stories, mm-hmm. like how they like cross the border. Yeah. Like to me, maybe this is still like, this is maybe no, not I, moving on fair. from, but like, it also reminds me of that. Like my parents crossing the border, at least from my mom was very, very painful for her. Mm-hmm. Like it was a huge trauma that she like only very rarely brings up. Yeah. And so, but to me growing up, it was kind of like this, like, oh yeah, like she like took on this like journey and like was like on an expedition. <laughs> like, it was like, I kind her, of like romanticized it as mythos. a kid. Yeah. You know, I was just like, oh yeah, these are just the things that people do. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized how hard that journey was, you know, like crossing the desert, hiding in like in bushes and like crouching for hours on end. And that was, that was my mom's journey. And yeah. every, every, Every person has a different journey. Like the grueling period. I also think it's interesting that you bring that up because like, you know, how do we explain that? We explain that as like an immigrant and like the way that that washes away any of these like nuances, right? Like the immigrant experience is not a monolith. Just the same way that like the black experience is not a monolith. And specifically for this show, experience under slavery or captivity was not a monolith either. Like... Mm -hmm. Some people weren't even born into slavery. Some people never knew what that was. And I think the show really does explore, like, a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. It gives you... It's almost like this, like, patient conversation Mm -hmm. where you get to just listen to them exist sometimes. Yes, there is, like, a lot of events, like, tragic events that happen in the story. I think, like, to speak to that, that question that I posed to you, I think the things that were most interesting to me was like just seeing what it was like i knew what it was like or i I had known about you know these these kind of like systems where newly freed uh black i don't know i don't know what the term is like escaped slaves and like they're in this period and i think the second episode is pivotal because it really just it, it almost acts like this so cora and caesar were the two main characters in the first episode they escape by the the end of the first episode and the second episode, we kind of see them go a little bit through like the underground process, mm-hmm. the underground railroad process, and then they get to this town that's like kind of like a I don't know, like a it's like a pleasant bit, like a yeah, like it's, something's not right, like it seems a little weird, like a like, perfect utopia. Yeah, it almost seems like a Twilight Twilight mm-hmm. Zone episode. Mm-hmm. It's it's very there's a lot. The reason why I liked it so much is because there's a lot of like psychological elements to what's going on Mm -hmm. 
And the way I thought about it, and I wrote this down when, when I was watching it, it felt like the vestibule. It felt like the in-between period, almost like a limbo, between, like, freedom and, like, captivity. Because mm. they had these freedoms, but it was only a, under a specific scope. Yeah. It was a gilded cage. Right. Like- and what it was, was it was basically these white folks who, you know wanted to educate like the black man and and they, study yeah and they were euthanizing them and like you know it's it's really dark that's like the 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 crescendo of the episode where like cora finds out that there are no black babies which i thought was it's just like she has like these little joys and i think that's answering the other question about like just seeing like little things that really fill in the experience mm-hmm. cora finds out that like she's seeing no babies cuz or no black babies cuz she's seeing she sees like white kids and like she wants to give them a candy, which mm-hmm. is like I guess a common practice for her. And like the store clerk was a black person. And she's like, Where are the penny candies? He's like, We don't have that here. And like that 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 put her on to like the idea that something's not okay. And I also think that, you know, in conversation with its contemporaries, I think that this show actually f- fits right in with like Lovecraft Country. But it's just like these intricacies that like what might appear as freedom is not everything that it's chalked up to be. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that's that's kind of the tricky nature of this time is like nothing is you never know what's real. And I think the second episode introduces this theme of like almost like you're scarred by the things that you've seen in the first episode that you expect everything to go wrong always mm-hmm. because it's such a like brutal period. But yeah, that, that's kind of what I want to talk about, specifically about the second episode, to introduce the idea that, like, you should always be on guard when you're watching this <laughs> somehow, right? Yeah. Like, even when you think that there's, like, a moment of... I mean, but that's the thing that's... That's that's another reason why it's so hard to watch the show. Like, the characters don't really have a moment of, like, reprieve. Right. They're con- like, they're constantly, constantly, like, bombarded by... Like, there might be, maybe there was, like, one or two episodes where they were just, like, allowed to be. But, like, by the end of it, like, things were turned on its head. Yeah. On their, like, we were just in a completely different place. And that's that's what makes it really, like, hard to watch. Yeah. Because it's just, it feels like it's a marathon. But I think that's also what's so amazing about the show, that it does feel like that, though. Like, as an audience, as a person watching the show, like you're seeing these events unfold this is this is a person trying to run away from slavery and just trying to exist and she can't she can't exist because she's a black woman in in the world right and even when she finds community like there's like the reality is that slavery is still present and it's still a machine and it still runs the economy yeah it's like a it's like a perpetual light at the end of the tunnel but you never reach it. Mm-hmm. Like things, maybe the tunnel starts to feel a little shaded and like there's light, but it never feels like you're on the other side. And I think that that's kind of the brilliance of the show. But I, I want to pose this question. I want to ask you. And this is something that I think Barry Jenkins is like acutely aware aware of. Just in the nature of his work and like his, I don't know, his project, I guess. Like what he's trying to depict in his movies. <laughs> you can talk about the the parents thing, but... How do you depict this period without, like, showing the brutality? Like, can mm-hmm. you even depict this period accurately or honestly or fairly if you don't show the brutality? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I don't know if I have an answer. I, and I'm going to say no. But I do remember from the, like, one of the interviews that we watched, or a few of them, actually, like, Barry's answer was, like, yeah, like, maybe we do have a lot of these, like, things coming out about this subject. And they are really brutal to watch. And they are very traumatic. But we need to build off of these stories in order to move on. Yeah. And talk about different things. And also, there's not that many. There's not as many as people think. Yeah, there there's there's not that many. And they like this subject still needs to be explored. Yeah. And like maybe one like maybe once we have a good body of work to build off of, we can talk about stories that don't necessarily focus on focus black on, trauma. Yeah. Which the, the reason why I'm asking you is because first you said that it was difficult to watch. And in our first pos- podcast, you talked a lot about the role of trauma as like a barrier of entry. So, my question to you is, how do you depict this period without honestly admitting its brutality? Yeah, like, it, it, it you can't. Like I'm, I'm not trying to stump you or no, trick no, you, you or you gotcha. Can't. I'm just asking. I don't think you can. I mean, maybe there was an, maybe there could have been a show that followed, like, the farm that, yeah. like, they, they in, when they're in Indiana, mm-hmm. of, like, just a community of black people that have found, like, kind of like their oasis in the sea of or like in the desert or yeah. whatever. But that doesn't mean that slavery didn't exist at that time. Right. And people and like those images weren't around at the time. You know, like just, you can't escape it. I don't think you can escape it. And that's the hard part that like we do have to be subjected to trauma still. Yeah. In order to tell these stories because that's that's what that's what it was. Right. What I do mean, you think? I feel like I don't think it's possible to portray this and because ign- it, it almost seems like negligence if you don't acknowledge it to an extent. I'm not saying that you have to show because I think all right, I think in response to that. And the reason why I ask is because I think that he's doing a lot here that a lot of other media about the period is not doing. Um, while there is some brutality and it's hard to watch sometimes. I think that, you know, ultimately, and this is something that he talks about in the interviews, it's up to the watcher to decide that. And that's fucked up. As fucked up as that is, I think that he's not, his project is not to just show black pain. Mm -hmm. Because, like, even the way that he shot, you know, like, the the whipping, Mm -hmm. it wasn't focused on how much pain they were in or, like, how much agony they were in or how much suffering. It was more about, like, the act like oftentimes he would turn the camera on to the other black people in the audience who mm-hmm. had who were forced to watch this and you get to i think that that was one of the most like powerful things about the show is just like seeing ah, the disdain in their faces mm-hmm. and like the swallowed emotions and, just, and like yeah like the resignation yeah like the resignation that there is nothing that they can do to change the outcomes of these events that is one of the things that for sure he's doing that I don't think, I mean, sure, maybe it's been done before, but I think that in the show it works very well because you do start to focus on like, he calls it the gaze and he, he apparently released a short film called the gaze, which is just like portrait shots of the various like black characters on screen who are just staring at the camera. Like they're just existing and there's like the power of existing. And another thing that I think the show does well is that it has 
various moments of joy. Like, you know, it, it's not always like, sure, it's, it's like dark and gloom and like, it's brutal. But there's also a lot of, a lot of moments where like, we get to just see them enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. And like, the power of conversation, you know, like, if you're in captivity for so long and you have no one else and all you have is the person that's right next to you, you want to get to know them. Like it's almost like the madness that Cora goes through. It's part of it is onset by uh, like isolation. Mm. There's, there's two moments that, that I want to, I won't focus on when she's in trapped in the house in the, in the, the attic or like the crawl space with the little girl. Like, she just really wanted to, like, connect with her. Mm -hmm. And then when she got captured again, and she was, like, really trying to talk to the other dude. And, like, what a a fucking, like, symbol that dude was. Like, I I think there's a lot to unpack there. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's just, like, it's the humanity that, that, like, is important to me. Like, that's what was impactful to me. It's not just, like, I get it. It's a fucking difficult period to watch. But I also think that there's so much, like, humanity and love and care into, like, how he depicted these. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just focused on the brutality. Because I think that that would be a disservice as well. I think that, that would just be, like, you know, just rendering it as Yeah, it's one just more thing. trauma porn. Like, right. And it's not. It is It is about, like, the react. Like, sure, it's a work of fiction. But it's also, it feels real. It feels like these people, it feels like these people existed and... You know, they lived their lives and they tried to make community and make family and love each other as best they could in the system that, like, in every way wanted to see them suffer. To tear them down. And to tear them down and to tear their humanity and their dignity down. And still, like, they didn't do that, you know, like, they, they couldn't be torn down. And it, that's powerful and it's like a sign of resilience. And, and like, it is traumatic to watch those things, but you know, that was the reality, right? Like, yeah. But also to see it portrayed in this way is important. Like to see it portrayed as not just like, you know, like a white savior or like, you know, like these ideas of slavery, I think, you know, they are either focused on like the brutality of slavery, but I think things like, uh, 12 years a slave, which is about like this person's journey home. And, like, it was a little brutal, but, and, and, and why people love that shit. I think that, you know, it, it does show a shift and, like, how America needs to confront or contend with its own history. Um, and I think that this, this does that. Like, it really does show the intricacies that, like, the brutality of white people is real. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the first episode shows, you know, a, a, a traumatic scene where, like, an escaped slave gets burned alive. And I, I heard Barry Jenkins talk about it in an interview where he like he wanted to give that character agency. Mm-hmm. So the character's like getting burned alive and he's like, God damn you motherfuckers. You know, like that was a choice that he made himself. Like, you know, he he was powerless in the situation. But he made a choice because he knew like it's that resignation or you know what I mean? Like it's it's and you know, that's on the backdrop of like why people just like dancing. And like having fun, mm-hmm. you know, like it it, it shows like celebrating. Like, yeah, it shows how brutal it was, mm-hmm. while at the same time like showing how evil whiteness can be. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's not it's not about like 
I don't know, because there's so many, I think a lot of movies that's, that are about slavery, I, you know, with the ones recently are kind of the exception. I think a lot of the time is, is the project is to kind of make white people feel better about themselves. Like, to show the distance that this is no longer the America that we live in. Mm-hmm. Or that, like, oh, yeah, there are, like, a few white, good white people. If I was around, like, if I was around during that time, I would have been a good white person. Right. But, like... No, like, that's not... Like, you're complicit at every point. Yeah. At every single point in this, whiteness is complicit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think... I I want to talk a little bit about Joe Edgerton's character, Arnold Ridgway. And he's... I, I don't know, just like... So, I, I heard Galindo tell me this, and I'm curious to see what you think. He says that the most likable character on the show is Joe, Joe Edgerton. And I think that that is kind of true to an extent. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that he's the most like likable character, but I think it's interesting that they gave him an episode. Mm-hmm. Or, or before we get there, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. What did you think of his character? I think his character was great because he is a stand-in for that insidu- insidious nature of whiteness. Right. That like, or the idea of like white supremacy. Right. Where his character, you know, you think when you're introduced to him, he's a slave catcher, right? Or like... Actually, he's just like a regular little kid. Like a kid who just wanted... Oh, when you're introduced to him. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. sorry. Yes, 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 yes. I thought, I, thought, I thought you meant like his backstory. Sorry, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, no. Like when you're introduced to him, like he's a slave catcher. And like, I mean, he has like a swagger. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, he's like... he's the best dressed character in the whole show almost like at every every scene he's in but you also think that at least for me i'm speaking for myself he's like he's almost surgical about it yeah like there's a removal there's not like yeah it is straight up a job he has a like what a a son an adopted son assistant Uh, a helper homer homer who's like uh he what, he's raising him, right? Yeah, like, he basically, like, yeah. We find out later that he he, he freed him and he then he still came freed back. Him right. And he gave him the choice of staying yeah, with him. and he still did. Uh, so, like, you know, he's, like, accompanied by, like, a little black boy. So, you're like, oh, well, maybe, like, he's a little bit more evolved. Yeah. And, and it should be noted that he treats Homer with more respect than anybody else in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, to any white person, to any person, he respects Homer more than anyone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you, you, you're you like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy is evolved, right? Like, yeah. he doesn't necessarily think that all black people are lesser than, right? Well, I think to an extent. He, I think by proxy, he, he, he has to. You know? Like, he... Well, you're introduced to him. Right. You, I mean, this is me. Like, when I'm introduced, to, when I was introduced to him. <laughs> yeah. I felt like, oh, like, maybe it's not, like, maybe this is not an ideological thing, necessarily. Yeah. Like, he's not the worst white. Yeah, right? But then, like, you come, like, you, you, he gets his own standalone episode, and you realize that, like, he was raised to think that everybody is equal. Everybody is deserving of humanity and dignity, and that, like, slavery is bad right and so so okay let's all right so his episode mm-hmm. it's about him being a kid and basically seeing 
because he lived in a town where there wasn't there was like freed slaves i believe mm-hmm. right and there was like it was in there was a little bit of integration mm-hmm. um obviously it's, it's still during that time period so it was not you know not real integration but i think ultimately arnold ridgeway georgetown's character is a stand-in for capitalism yeah the right? ca- capitalism and the american dream yeah, but not well, like like even before it was the idea of America. Or no, I think he keeps talking about the American imperative, the burgeoning. Yes, the burgeoning American dream. You know, like in the way that it was already starting to be understood, but it was still malleable. Manifest destiny. Yes, but I'm saying like I think it was still malleable. I think mm-hmm. that there was because there's still an, shaping itself. I think yeah, I think and I think that this is the difficulty with like seeing this character, and I think that this is kind of the brilliance of that episode, and just of the character even. You understand the reason why he did this. Not because, like, you you want to do it yourself or anything. But, like, you understand that this was an opportunity, which was he was able to get money in this unconventional way. Or maybe not unconventional, but that goes against what his family's values are. Who mm-hmm. are pretty Christian and, like, are kind of, they're basically abolitionists. Or perhaps not staunch believers of... of slavery maybe Mm -hmm. and he basically has this opportunity and he follows it and he's able to build a career out of it but i think that all his posturing is just like this like idea of like thinking that you can separate systems even though you're involved or like thinking that you can separate yourself from these systems even though you're involved in perpetuating them yeah yeah that's like I mean, he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. He's an entrepreneur is... who saw an opportunity and, you know, took took advantage of it. Like, what does it mean to be successful in this period? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it ties back to the destruction of, like, black bodies. Like, he's literally in something and in a system that's just hunting black people. Yeah. And, like, I think his character is is a very American character is even a very modern character. Like even now, like the systems of capitalism, like still, still dehumanize and marginalize. Or even isolate. Like the idea that you can dislike a black person because they committed a crime, which is committing like breaking a law and what you care more about is the law than you do humanity. Mm -hmm. You care more about protecting property than you do humanity and it's like these like mental gymnastics that he has to like rationalize why he's doing this yeah because i personally don't think he thinks he's a bad person he's the type of person that would say like i'm not racist right he's just a criminal exactly and i think that that's that's interesting it reminded me it reminded both of us of first cow which was like this movie about uh these two dudes who spoilers for the movie are also entrepreneurs. Yes, but the reason why it reminded us of that is because it's like, it's just like I don't know. It captures this moment where like it was exciting to be in like a young America, mm-hmm. where like any opportunity can mean a career, success, or wealth, anything. And I think that that's such a brilliant like character because. It never is presented in this way. It's never presented as like, look how, like he's excited when he like captures his first slave. Like you, it's, I think that, that like 
a trademark of Barry Jenkins's filmmaking is he focuses a little too much on characters. Like he gives them these portraits, but in that, because you're, 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 you're living with it a little too, like longer than maybe, you know, like other films would or, or, or TV shows, you get to, it reveals something about them. Like it reveal like in just watching them and, and them just existing, it reveals like how satisfied he is with this thing. Cause I, I don't think that he necessarily like wants to like, you know, end all blackness. Cause he, he, he somehow like respects freed slaves mm-hmm. who's someone that he has right next to him but it's it's almost like the idea of like maybe this is going too far but like i have black friends mm-hmm. or right? you, like or these people or even just like again like people that don't think they're racist but they're like oh yeah like i don't like illegal immigrants right like i only like people that like came through to the united states the legal way yeah you know like like stuff like that like there's a legal route and all these people cheated their way into freedom. Yeah. All right. So I think we should spend the rest of the episode talking about Cora. Yeah. And her journey. I right. mean, we've been talking about her journey though. We haven't really been talking about we're her. Talking around. So her. like, I think this character is brilliant. Like the performance is great. Everything about this character is great. The reason why I, I, I think that this character is so compelling is because there's like a deep malaise. There's like a deep, sadness to her understandably so so cora's is cora randall we start off with meeting cora who's like the main character she's a slave on this plantation in georgia she escapes she goes to like she goes kind of like on this multi-state journey Mm -hmm. like she goes through like multiple states and different experiences she gets caught once she gets caught again she like finds this community like this group of like essentially like freed slaves mm-hmm. or just like a all black community who, who buys like a farm but like everything just feels like too like it's almost like mirages like everything too feels everything feels like it's too good to be true mm-hmm. and she really runs a gamut of like the difficult experience within even like the underground railroad because like you think of the underground railroad as just like a destination not about a journey, but what it really is is about this difficult, perilous journey. Mm-hmm. You know, like it did mean living in crawl spaces and like not being able to move, mm-hmm. or like just all these various different, uh, you know, like little intricacies that the show's the show covers. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about a character? I think yeah, I think her character is is great. The actress is so good at portraying her. I also like that throughout, you know. Maybe it's a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> like, the the illusions are a little too too much. But they name drop, like, The Odyssey and... Gulliver's Travel. Yeah, you know, like... And I think at the beginning, her travel companion was was Caesar. And I I assumed that they were going to be on this journey together. And yeah. they were going to be... Spoilers for the show again. Yeah, so, so I assumed they were going to be on this journey together. And so they were going to be the ones on this, like, odyssey, like, epic odyssey. But then, like, you know, after the second episode, you realize, no, this this story is not about her and Caesar. It's about Korra. Yeah, because they present, they kind of, like, passingly tell you that he died. Mm-hmm. And I think that this, this is, like, I, I actually think Galindo helped me realize this, but I think that that is a function of Barry Jenkins' like, storytelling, which he presents big information as kind of passing. And I think that 
Galindo said this, and I thought that this was like actually very uh, insightful. But like, that's just kind of the way life is sometimes. Like, sometimes people die, and like life goes on, and you didn't even know, and you you know you like for for Cora, you know, it was used maliciously by Joel Edgerton to mm-hmm. kind of make her feel bad. But you know, like as the audience, as like traditional stories, and like how like traditional stories and storytelling as as the audience we expect that they're going to be the main characters but then he's just like he just disappears and you didn't even know it yeah and that's one of the like the major i think themes in in the episode i mean in the in the show loss like it's so unceremonious you don't have time you're not giving the opportunity to mourn right um and to like celebrate people's lives and to just memorialize them in any way and i think like that is why the testimony like the manifest and the testimonies when cora goes yeah to different like underground railroad stations Stations. like why it's so important because these histories are lost because you have to say who you are or else your story will be forgotten or will be written for you or yeah I i mean most likely it will be lost in time or It'll be written for you saying that, like, slaves enjoyed slavery, like, you know, dumb American history like that. Mm-hmm. I think p- part of also, like, the brilliance of, of Cora's character is that every single loss, she wears it on her shoulders. Like, mm-hmm. she wears it on her face. Like, she, it's, it's, it's not just, you know, like, a passing moment. To the audience, it kind of is because it's presented in this way. But to the character, there's so much weight to all this loss. She carries every single one with her. She wears all this grief. Like, it it wears on the character as well. But also, like, the idea that captivity, most of the time, at at least her specific captivity, like, being transferred back to the, the plantation in Georgia, there's so much solitude and just like thinking to yourself. So a lot of these moments is her just reflecting on like these people that that were part of her life, like mm-hmm. these these important, you know, characters and like loved ones that she had. And I think that that goes back to the idea of like at any moment your life could change dramatically even though you've already escaped. Mhm. And it's like, it's also this like idea that she just, she was like, if I had just done this, I probably wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's how fucked up it was. It's just like, just one, like, she constantly keeps going back to the idea that like, she should have stayed at this place where she was at, mm-hmm. um, which was like this fake, almost like WandaVision, this fake kind of like community of like. In South Carolina. Right. And. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked the way that the the actor like portrayed it. I thought she did such a wonderful job, mm-hmm. and like it was a difficult. It's a difficult role because a lot of it is just you know your reactions and like the agony that she goes through, and it's not even like because she's suffering like physical pain. Although she does go through that, it's just like the different psychological and like non physical pain. Uh, mm-hmm. that she goes through like the, the heartache the loss the, res- the the responsibility she feels for mm-hmm. shit like this you know yeah and also we see her character grow and change as as the story goes on and i think it's 
again, she did such an amazing job, but like, again, going back to like the first two episodes where she's still with Caesar, you think like, oh, well, Caesar kind of has things figured out. He kind of knows the way. Yeah, because uh, we're introduced to the character as like someone who knows a little bit about. Who's more, escaped, I guess, traveled, right? <laughs> like more worldly. Yeah. He knows, he knows, like right from the first episode, he knows how to read and write. And so we assume, I assume that he's going to be kind of her guide right. throughout all of this. And then at the end of the second episode, he's gone. Yeah. We never see him again. And now Cora again is on her own. And like, she's like constantly dealing with loss. Like people abandon her all the time. Yeah. And you see that like, she's closed off. Like she doesn't let anybody in people in but she wants to she wants she craves community and she craves like she she loves children she Uh, loves conversation mm -hmm. she loves just like talking to people like and it's because like she it's so hard to bring those walls down for her because so many people have abandoned her or like died yeah and there's been no closure for her and she's she's so traumatized that like she never wants to let her guard down. And for good reason. You know, the show does not give her a break at all. You know, like, I, I'm thinking specifically, like, this. there's two moments of, like, reprieve where, like, or two two big moments of reprieve where she goes to South Carolina and then when she finds that, like, ranch with, like, in, uh, Indiana. in Indiana with, like, all the black folk who, like, have really built this nest for themselves that exists kind of outside of America. And it isn't until... You know, it's 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 really not even it's not a crime. It's not anything else besides like thinking that you're equal to white people. That basically is the undoing of like this. the audacity. And like, I think that that was such a like that's important to 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 show that like whiteness is so fragile that if you just assume that you're equal to whiteness, it can destroy your life and the life of so many others. Yeah. So yeah, I do think that Cora is right and like. I mean, you know, it's, it's she's she's a survivor. She does that better than most of the characters that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to spend the last of this podcast talking about the idea of uh, parents and the role of parenting in the show. Mm-hmm. Barry Jenkins said this that I thought it was like poetic Profound. and beautiful, and like I'm like, oh, my friend always says the best. Hey, He's just so. I mean. <laughs> He's such he's so, a smart dude. He's so intentional, though. Right. Like, he sees something, he sees a project, and he's like, this is the story I want to tell. He, like, gives it his all. Yeah, like, you just, he's so thoughtful. Right. And I, I really, he's thoughtful in, like, every, every aspect of it. And it's just, this is, like, his gift to the world. Right. I agree. No, I 1,000% I agree. So, he said this. He said that, you know, what is, like, slavery is basically, like, like, his realization and the reason, like, I guess one of the driving themes is that, like, I don't want to get the, the quote wrong, but he basically said that, like, the reason why people, like, these slaves don't all escape or just leave is because it was, like, this, the largest collective act of parenting. Because what it was is that you're basically giving up your life or, like, what's happening right now to you for the hope that your kids will have a better future. And, you know, like he talks about in this interview with, uh, I forget her name. She's the creator of uh, the 1619 Project. You know, he talks about how, like, this is, like, the wildest dreams. Like, the fact that they could have this conversation about, like, these things is the wild, is their wild, is their ancestors' wildest dreams because 
they didn't have the luxury of just being able to talk and exist. And it was because of that sacrifice of his ancestors and his parents and every other slave who decided that they were going to stay, not because they were docile or like, because they didn't want to like fight. It's because they were trying to protect their children It's mm-hmm. because they're trying to protect their loved ones. And I think that that's also, you know, just like, it's like revisionism working to correct this idea that like all slaves, just like there were like the ones that wanted to escape and they were the ones who didn't. No, n- n- there's not a single slave who like wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. They were there because they were coerced to. Yeah. I mean, and it was even like a practice. Like it is a known practice that like, you know, slave masters forced their, and we see it on the show, like forced their slaves to procreate just so that they're like tied to the plantation. Yeah. Like once you have children, you're tied to the plantation. You're less likely to escape because you have a child. And that's the most overt way that there was population control because there's population control in the way that like a black person is a commodity. And you're trying to recreate and create more of your property to to produce free labor. Mm-hmm. And then outside of, you know, the plantation, the way that blackness is experienced is that you want to eradicate it because it's a threat to whiteness. And I thought there's just so much to the show that that's hard to unpack. But, yeah, the idea that, like, parenting is just, like, it's just it just plays such a big role. And I think that you see it most... With just the way that, like, Cora is k- kind of, like, she becomes a mother to some people. You mm-hmm. know, like, she becomes a mother to, I forget her name, the little girl's name. Fanny, Fanny Briggs, or Grace in the episode, right. and then later Fanny She kind of becomes a mother to her, and, like, I think that, you know, retroactively, after you watch the last episode, because the last episode is about her mom, you you realize that, like, you know, she has these, like, traumas surrounding her mom, because her mom in her mind left her to escape um and like she just has this like small moment where like she's able to like comfort this child and like be there for her mm-hmm. it's like this like poetic kind of like you know she's she's mothering even you, though even she didn't she, she yeah. it was in, in the absence of one and even in the end like she has this child who she brings along with her and you know it, it's just like there's a lot of connecting the dots that i made after the series and i'm like this this show's really about parenting yeah even like the way yeah like the way like children are shown in 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 the show like it just yeah it just feels like it's like constant parenting even like joel edgerton's character like it's it's like a way of like building your legacy and even if you're you know if you die suddenly the knowledge that you pass down is still important like cora kept her okra um that's her, her most prized yeah, family heirloom. Like it's it's so sh- she could have something of her own, her her own property, and I mean even Joel uh, Joel Edgerton's character, like even in his like dying breath, like he was telling Homer like write my words down because yeah. this is important for me, and that was his way of parenting in his own way. Yeah, he like becomes capitalism incarnate. Yeah, the American imperative. Yeah, um, but I think I, I I thought that that was such a like gorgeous you know joe edgerton says it i believe he's just like the thing about okra or okra okra is that it doesn't like it's it's such a survivor which is supposed to be like you know an allegory for 
black people and and you know suffering enslavement and just being able to like it, it's like a true like the rose that grew from the concrete mm-hmm. you know like it's finding life and surviving in any way that you can continuing off the okra point like it is like this huge symbolic thing like it is like parenting like it is a symbol for the show and like the fact that Cora finally puts it down at the end and like plants it is it's just like a very profound way of like and ending her story yeah there doesn't have to be like capital w wins it's just the small moments are the most important Mm -hmm. because life isn't guaranteed a lot of the times especially when you're escaping you know such a the thing that built america (laughs) slavery like it's you know it's, it's like one of the biggest commodities and it's part of our history oh one of the things uh i thought it was i thought it was great that uh Barry Jenkins talked about how he liked Fanny Bridge, Fanny Bridges, Fanny, Fanny Bridge? Briggs, Fanny Briggs, the little girl, so much that he like had to give her an ending, and which is like a break of the format of the show. It's only twenty minutes, and it was like a short and sweet, pretty straightforward. Like just she gets on the train and she escapes. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's real? I, you know, I thought about this. I'm like, oh, this is like a purgatory. I don't know. It is and it isn't. I think. I, like, what and- if it's it's. Cora writing that history for her. Yeah, it's like, I, I think it could be that. And I, I, I like to think that it's her escaping. Yeah. But it could be everything. It could be Cora as a, like, now, who has, like, the time to reflect on her, like, a survival tactic for her. Because when, because she gave her, Cora gave herself up mm-hmm. to save to Grace. To save her, yeah. That's, again, that's another... Like, Alleged. yeah, like that was her sacrificing herself. That's her to being make a mother. Sure. Yeah. And the fact that, like, the she saw the house burn up, like, you know, she assumed that she died. And it might have been just a, a survival tactic on her end to write her off. Like, no, she escaped yeah. somehow and she boarded a train somewhere and she's off living her life. Yeah. It could be read that way. Like, it can be a solace for Korra to think of that. Mm-hmm. What a fucking, like, brilliant shot to just focus the camera on that little hole. And, like, it can be anything. You know, it can be that she died. It can be that she survived. But also just, like, I, I'm just, I'm realizing this now. Just, like, how resilient of a character Korra is. Like, she's surrounded by all this tragedy. But she still finds, like... You see this person's, like, soul be torn apart, you know, like, by, like, all this trauma and, like, terrible things happen to her. But she still finds a way to survive. And I think that that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Like, yeah. just being able to survive. But what I what I also love about her character is that throughout, you know, once she's gone through all these things um like every time she mentions like oh i've been here i've been there i've been there people are like wow you're an extraordinary woman wow such an extraordinary person to have been able to accomplish all of this and even at the beginning like caesar's like oh you're special you know yeah. i need your luck yes, you know yes, yes. this is a great point point. and then Cora's like no i'm not special i'm just trying to survive i'm just trying to live my life I'm, there's literally nothing special about me i just am and i think yeah. that's such an important no, 
to like hear her character say that like she's such a great point she's just existing because that was one of the things that really moved me when i was watching it the idea that like again goes against the idea of a monolith goes idea goes against the idea that you know life under slavery or life during this time was not the same for everyone like the reason why the the ranch in indiana goes down is because he was this this black person who bought his own freedom, right? And that shades in, in his experience. So, I mean, it's almost like the war on drugs type rhetoric. Like, she, they, you can hate a criminal. It doesn't matter who they are, their background, all these things that make up a person, culture, race, whatever. All that matters is that person committed a crime, and that's all that matters. They need to go back into captivity. And it's also this idea that you can't have selective freedom because it means that there are still people who are not free. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like, yeah, it's, there's so many fucking layers to the show. And we can't talk about all of them. But let's finish with her mom. Mm-hmm. Mabel. Probably one of the best episodes. Because mm-hmm. she's like, Mabel's, the the, act, the actress who plays her is so talented. I don't even, I, I've so never striking. seen her before. She's like just, her just, I mean, Cora has it too. Cora, like her actress has like the this gaze, like this look. It was like either complete hate and like disgust or like, or like it's just filled with like this tenderness. Yeah. And I think Mabel's actress has the same thing. Like, I think, well, I think that she can, like, she's affected by, you know, people's trauma. Mabel is. I think that, unfortunately, like, I think, Ma- I think uh, Cora is just was too affected and like, that affected her entire disposition, which is understandable. But there was a warmness to Mabel that I don't think Cora had. Mm-hmm. And I think Cora lost that because her mom left, obviously. But the episode is about, like, there's this one character, I forget her name, but she basically has to nurse these these black black boys. Or she has a kid, it's a stillborn, and then immediately after she has to nurse these... Uh, two twin boys. These two twins. Whose mother died during um, yes. birth. And her, I guess her partner, lover at the time, was also a black boss. And he, like, disowned, disowned her for not being able to produce a progeny, right? Like, for not being able to produce, like, a child. Yeah, because it was, like, the second stillborn that they had. And then even then, there's, like, this moment of black joy, right? There's this moment of joy where she, the woman who lost her children, her child, starts to psychologically think that these new babies are her kids that her husband her her partner and her husband too yeah but then she kills the kids um and she kills herself and it's mabel just having to like pick up the pieces because mabel was advising them like don't do this this is gonna fuck up your you know your mental like it's gonna fuck you up and they decide to do it anyways because it's any semblance of like joy or normalcy or like anything is what you can get and that's what Mm -hmm. you do you just you just follow it so i I think that mabel and then so ultimately you come to learn that like mabel didn't leave and abandon her child because she cared she loved her child she loved cora she left and she realized too late that she had forgotten about her or like it was a reaction it was like it was a reaction from the trauma she had just experienced like I, yeah, like, it's, her character's so amazing. And, like, the fact that it was this one episode where we're introduced to her and to her journey. 
But like she learned all this on her own, you know. Yeah. Like she she had a talent for mid midwifery, midwifery. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it, but she had like she learned all this just from from experience. And she was saying it herself, like I don't know what it is, but like women are like intricate creatures. I think she says like, mm-hmm. and she was talking about postpartum depression. You yeah. know, like without even like there was no science. There was just this was just like, like I, she's like I know. Her like she's like I know her psychology is broken right now because she just lost a child. Yeah, this is not going to end well, and it didn't end well. And it was like her reaction to having seen the scene and knowing, like in her heart of hearts, that it wasn't going to end well, and like having it come true was what, like how she just she just walked away. You know, she's yeah. like I can't deal with this right now. I'm walking away from this. She was dealing with it, and then she realized too late that she was gone. Yeah, like she, uh, yeah, it's almost like she was sleepwalking, like she left and then she realizes she forgot her child. And again, it's like that, that almost like at any moment your life could change, you know, and and she, she dies kind of unceremoniously and Cora just has to like fend for herself. But it's not, I think that, I think it was important to include that episode because it's not that she wanted to leave her child and just do better for herself. Because I think I think the reason why that's the last episode is because it's supposed to tell you that she cared the most about her child. But she realized too late, and then she died. Mm-hmm. Like, she died by the serpent. And I don't know, is that supposed to represent whiteness? What do you think? Like, did you Did you like that? Did like you like that the snake? Like, she dies, a snake bites her, and she dies in, like, a swamp, basically. I think it's just... I like I like you know, I love the symbolism, you know, if it is it's a snake. Or like Eden. Uh like that's supposed to be the devil. Yeah. Like or she's uh she's Eve and that's supposed to be the devil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but I think like Barry Barry Jenkins mentions in one of the interviews, like it's just you have incomplete knowledge as a kid. Yeah. And like even as an adult, you just are constantly learning about these stories that don't even have a real ending. Yeah. And that this is one of them. And, you know, Cora, like, this is a foundational story to her. Like, this is what makes her her. Her mom left to be free and left, like, left Cora all by herself to fend for herself. And that's not the true story. And, like, she'll never know the true story Mm-mm. And that's such a tragedy, but that's also the tragedy of like this time. Oh yeah, like that. Like that is what it is. I do like that. In the first episode, we see that like we assume that it's the same snake. Yeah, that bit her. That bit Mabel mm. at the end. Was a snake in the first episode? Yeah, there was a snake. Or when they're when Caesar and and Cora are running away and they they're going through the marsh. There's Cora stops to see a snake. In the same marsh where Mabel died. Ah, I didn't see that. And so, like, they bookend each other. Mm. And the fact that Cora was able to see the snake and go past it and live past it, I think, is a really powerful symbol. Yeah. I, I want to say one more thing about the symbol. I think that's a great point. I agree. Throughout the entire thing, I kept thinking of the allegory of the cave. Mm. I, I brought this up a lot. Because there's so much about, like, you know, building on your point... Incomplete knowledge. Like, in in Cora's mind, everything about her mom leaving her 
was either explained to her or like understood through this narrow like understanding of what it was because she didn't know and like there was no one there to tell her there's it's not like mabel was like told everyone was going to happen you know like there was no so she constantly builds uh her experience is just like making up for information she doesn't know or like you know being in captivity looking at the world from like this whole like there's just so many symbols that are about like just trying to make it out of this cave of captivity and finally when she does it's poetic it's like this character deserves this like catharsis this like kind of like an end you know because mm-hmm. she got out of the gate that that's how i see it mm-hmm. yeah like throughout the throughout the show Cora's running away running away from slavery and just trying to exist and i think that that's also like the larger symbolic story of how of like america's history like we're constantly running away from facing our our past of slavery like slavery to this day affects society in the united states yeah in various ways yeah in like super unconscious ways like prison nowadays Mm -hmm. it's modern day slavery yeah and like so it's a it's a very relevant story yeah which is why you know like i i understand the barriers of entry but i just think that there hasn't been that much and especially by black people Mm -hmm. there hasn't been that much of black people telling their own stories about their own histories and i think it's just important like regardless of how you feel i think that this is an important show yeah and it's in in line with the contemporaries of like really showing the experience like watchmen lovecraft like all these shows that are really showing like what it's like um like what what black history and like real black history is like is important and it's yeah. worth telling even if there is trauma associated with it like you know, the like, cycles of violence i'm not trying to excuse the trauma that's depicted i'm just saying that like this does this this is an important story to tell mm-hmm. i think I don't, just like in general how history just constantly repeats itself right. um you know like lovecraft or and watchmen touched on the tulsa tulsa massacre yeah uh, and like a lot of people while watching it were like what the fuck this happened Th- yeah it's like stranger than fiction and then you realize that it was not fiction. Yeah, and I think like showing showing the community in Indiana, they were thriving. They they had products that they could like reproduce that like white people wanted to buy. They saw it like the, it was it was a Tulsa massacre, you know? Like they saw this community thriving, white people saw this community thriving and they hated them for it and they m- murdered everybody in sight, you yeah. know? Like the thing the thing after like the obstacle after slavery is white supremacy like the end of slavery does not or like the end of captivity does not mean freedom Mm -hmm. it means constantly dealing with white supremacy Mm -hmm. i think that's what the show is about a lot of times um yeah i mean that that's all i have to say uh what would you rate it 4.5 4.8 okay yeah i go the same I, i i think this is like this is like art. This is art. This is like <laughs> art. You know, this is like, it's really saying a lot. Like, there's a lot of magical realism as mm-hmm. well. There was a lot of like 
symbols, poetry, like the dialogue was fucking great. What what's that line that he said that when you're in the train and you look out of the windows, what do you see? It's blackness, right? Or darkness. No, 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 no. The char- the character the conductor says like when you like you know, all aboard or whatever mm-hmm. and like make sure to look around out the windows so you can see the real America. Right, which is blackness. or something along those lines. But it's blackness. And I think that's what I was trying to say in that point. Maybe I didn't say it as poetically or connect the dots as well. But yeah, it's supposed to show that this is part of what built America. You know? Mm-hmm. This infrastructure was built by so many black bodies mm-hmm. that were not written about. Mm-hmm. You? What would you rate it? I'd go 4.8 as well. Yeah. I don't know if I'd do a 5. Maybe a 5. Because I think it's such an important show. Like, if I had seen this when I was going to college, I'd be like, fuck, like, this is seminal, you know? Mm. I think it's I think it's pretty seminal now. Like, in conversation with everything that depicts slavery, this is something that's doing, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, it really is, like, art, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and that's probably the, that's my rating, art, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I'll end it there. It's not going to be a second season. But what if she, like, fights zombies in the second season? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? She yeah. time travels. Just fights white zombies. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it is a great show. It is. It really is, like, art and beautiful and so well shot. And also, I mean, sorry, just to build off, I know we're, like, supposed to end, but just to build off, like, you know, Barry Jenkins thought of this as, like, this is, the like, slavery is, like, the like, largest collective act of, of parenthood, right? the his intentions behind building the way he shot this also um like he shot on location uh and that like he wanted to do that like right from the onset because he couldn't find set like sets so he created they created so so he created sets and he left the set standing so that people can continue telling stories that take place during this time that maybe are not this story yeah but they are about the inner lives of the people that live there. Yeah. And like the fact that he's like, you know, plantation houses exist because people are constantly taking, like having weddings and events there. Right. But like the slaves quarters don't exist and they were washed away. Yeah. So to be forgotten of. And so now like he built that up to continue the work. He's building like these, these, this infrastructure to depict this period. I mean, you know, whether or not people use them, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but it it was like a you know like a damn this guy really cares about this shit like it's not it's not just like a let's let's depict this period and like let's show how fucked up it was it's really like let's take the time to like sh- show the humanity you know and like it it was just gorgeous all right i think that's it let's 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 sign off mm-hmm. thank you for listening rate us i guess please thanks. yeah please thanks all right bye peace Thank you.